was 100 years ago last week that the RMS, RMS Titanic slipped beneath the icy waters of the North Atlantic. The ship was supposed to be unsinkable. Some even boasted that God himself couldn't sink that ship. Not a good boast at all. I don't know what they were thinking. In 2008, what seemed to be an unsinkable U.S. economy hit an iceberg of its own and has thrown many of our lives into chaos ever since. I mean, Julie and I are even reflecting about how nice it's been this year to so far not hear any rumors of uh, cutbacks and layoffs in the Glendale Union High School District. So far, I haven't heard anything. That's, this is the first time, um, the first spring in like four years where we haven't been, you know, on our faces before God praying that people get to keep their jobs. And so I'm grateful about that. But it's been uh, chaos for a lot of us. And many of us have felt like we're drowning. I think the reality is that both of those tragedies could, be, could have been avoided. The sinking of the Titanic and the economic situation we find ourselves in. Um, and the aim of this sermon series, again, is just to offer uh, common sense for keeping our finances afloat. And we're trying to be as practical as humanly possible with this, taking the wisdom of the scriptures and applying them to our lives. This series is we're aiming at equipping everyone with the basics for building long-term financial health um, through four practical and powerful lessons drawn from particularly the Proverbs, the wisdom literature of the scriptures. And I'm illustrating um, these points using the Titanic. Last week, we did um, our, our first lesson. And our first, our first lesson was this. A ship must have an adequate rudder. You remember uh, going over that for those of us who were here? Um, one, of the, one of the critical design flaws that the Titanic may have had um, was that the rudder may have been inadequate for a ship of that size and uh, uh, as powerful as it was. And so we talked about our need um, to steer our own finances carefully. That we're all headed somewhere. You can't do anything about that. You know, we, ha we live within an economy, right? And the, the, the fascinating thing is how the global economy, uh, we're, I should, we're so interconnected. We're interconnected with people across the globe in ways that have never happened before. Never in human history have we ever been uh, economically connected the way that we are, so that our lives are literally affected um, by what's happening in China. It's uh, absolutely amazing. So we're, we're here. You know, as nice as it sounds, some, day, some days I fantasize about becoming a hermit and growing, my, growing a huge, long, scraggly beard and disappearing into the backwoods. You know, because money stresses me out. And uh, money keeps me awake at night some nights. Money drives me nuts at times. 
Sometimes it creates tension within my household. And sometimes I would just like to be done with it. Have you ever been there? It's just like money, stupid. I just want to have my own farm, invite my FFA friend Rob to teach me how to, uh, how to, how to farm my own land, dig my own wells, raise my own meat, grow my own plants. Not those kind of plants. I know it was 420 last week, but still. But the reality is I can't do that. You can't, we can't really do it. We don't do it. I mean, I guess theoretically we could, but here we are. Our ship is sailing and there's nothing we can do about it. And so last week, or last week we talked about how a wise person plans or steers their finances very carefully because they get out of control quickly and easily. It's kind of like finances, a picture in my head. As I imagine myself, if I took my two cats and I went into Walmart with my two cats and I don't have them on leashes because that would be weird. Some people do, but I, I get the picture. My, my finances are like two cats that I'm trying to herd. <laughs> if I do nothing, they will get into all kinds of trouble. Effortlessly on my part, easily. If I just stand back, things are going to get crazy. And so we talked about that last week. Lesson two from this week is that a ship must have adequate lifeboats. You show the next picture there? Not that one. The next one. Yes. A ship must have adequate lifeboats. Because Titanic was an unsinkable ship. Um, they only supplied it with lifeboats for about half of the passengers. Half. 1,514 people lost their lives when the Titanic sank. And they shouldn't have. You know? They didn't provide the boat with adequate um, adequate means of protecting the passengers. 2008 proved to us, uh, many of us for the first time, some of us, this has been your, your coming of age experience, you know, young adults experiencing the financial world for the first time. And uh, one of the interesting things that I heard about the millennial generation, which is a, several of you in here, is how optimistic your generation was. I'm from Gen X. We're jaded. You know, kind of a poster child for us would be maybe uh, the lead singer of Green Day. I mean, just a jaded cohort of people. We're pretty jaded. Where the millennial generation was very optimistic, very optimistic about the future. Everything's going to be great, going to be fine. Um, and for a lot of you, this has been a real wake-up call. And now you, you see that you're sailing in dangerous waters. Financially, these are dangerous waters. Dangerous waters. The question is, do we have adequate lifeboats for our finances? Do we have adequate lifeboats? 
How can we ensure that we do? Grab your Bible, open up to Proverbs chapter 6. Okay, as you're, as you're finding it, here's the disclaimer. This is wisdom literature, right? So if the idea here is that the, the writer is passing on wisdom, presumably um, to younger people, um, in an effort to help them to become wise. Right? You tracking with me? Here's the disclaimer. What we're going to read now is absolutely offensive. <laughs> so when I'm reading it, I don't want you to feel mad toward me. I'm just reading it too. And I am offended as well. Okay? We're in the same boat together. To continue with the boat metaphors. We're all in this together, okay? So this is going to be inflammatory, these remarks. But the idea of the writer is certainly not just to insult us or to insult the reader or insult. I don't know who he had in mind, probably his brother-in-law or something when he's writing this. I have no idea. Maybe his son, who knows? Um, but he's using inflammatory language, the idea is not just to insult us and make us feel bad about ourselves. The idea is to shock us, wake us up, and motivate us to take wise action. That's the idea. Okay, so there's the disclaimer. Are you ready? Picking up in verse 6. He writes, for, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? And when will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. You offended, lazy bones? Dang. If I was to boil down what I'm, what I'm hearing here in a sentence, I would say it would be this. A wise person prepares for the bad times in the good times. A wise person prepares for the bad times in the good times. It's crazy. The writers, you know, says wisdom is all around us. Look at these bugs. They're smarter than you. I mean, not to you. They're not smarter than you. Just everyone who reads this. <laughs> look at these. Look at these bugs. I mean, we're not going to talk about this, but I think it is worth mentioning from the text. What are the motives? This is obviously spoken to a person that is not preparing themselves for the inevitable dangers of life. They're not preparing themselves whatsoever. What are some of the motives we see here? Well, we're not going to go into this a whole lot, but laziness. And laziness can mask itself in a lot of different ways, right? I mean, I can look really busy and be really lazy. It's amazing. Procrastination. 
You hear the uh, procrastinators are uh, staging a rally, a protest. They're going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> Procrastination. You don't deal with that, but whoo, me, I can procrastinate with the best of them. Excuses, like elbows, everyone has one, right? Or a couple. Irresponsibility, you see, you hear in the text. What I would call paternalism, the, the idea that somebody else needs to take care of me, that somebody else has to do it for me. Or fatalism, the idea that it doesn't matter what I do, things are not going to go well, they're not going to go right. So why plan? Why try? Everything's going to go wrong anyways. Or having a victim mentality. You know, I, bad stuff happened to me in the past or whatever. And so I have a right to sit here and not do anything. You know, you haven't been through what I've been through. I have a right to sit here and do nothing. Don't judge me. Or foolishness, you see in the text. Ignorance, maybe one, maybe one thing. Just ignorance of how the world works. Ignorance of, uh, and, and everyone in this room, you know, we've, we've been woken up when it comes to the finances, when it comes to the economy. You know, or pride. Like in the Titanic, this is an unsinkable ship. God himself could not sink this ship. And so, why, why clutter up deck space with more, uh, eh, that can stay there. Why clutter up deck space with boats, lifeboats? Or maybe we're delusional. Like we have a way of viewing the world that it's kind of like a fantasy. You know one of the interesting things about um, young adults in particular in uh, mid to late adolescence, depending on where you where you stand, but um, on, on certain views of things. But there's this guy, I believe his name is uh, Erickson. He does stage theory uh, when it comes to human development. One of the interesting things that, that um, his research talked about was that uh, adolescence in particular, and, and late adolescence goes all the way till about 26 years old. There's some things that can cause you to get out of it, but one of the fascinating things about this period of our life is uh, something that psychologists call personal fable. Have you ever heard of this? It's like in our minds, and whether we are articulated or not, in our minds, we're the hero of our own story. And we have this built into us, this ability to think nothing, that bad stuff doesn't happen to me. It happens to other people but it doesn't happen to me. It enables us to do some crazy things. They say that some of the best fighter pilots in the world are young guys. Why? Because you just don't think it'll happen to me. It's, I'm not that old, right? So I'm turning 35 this year. One of the fascinating things I've found out about my own journey is that I've become aware in these last several years that bad things can happen to me. And it does happen to me. But maybe we're, I don't know, maybe we have personal fable, you know. 
going on. For whatever reason, there's some motives that could, that could cause us not to do anything. Luckily, we're, I mean, we're not going to get into great detail about that. But I would just simply say, it's good for us to stop and pause and reflect on your own journey. Where are you? And, and if, you're not, if you don't have adequate financial lifeboats in place, why not? What is your deal with it? So how do we prepare adequate financial lifeboats? How do we become wise and prepare for the bad times and the good times? Show you a picture. Chris, do I have the picture next? Yeah, look at that couple. Look at that. July 31st, 1999. You can see I haven't changed a bit. That couple, God has been so good to them. It's been an awesome 15-year journey. Um, yeah, this July will be 15 years, right? 15. It feels like 15. 13? It feels like 15. Oh, sorry. It's been a long journey. Oh, you've known me 15 years. It's been a long journey, folks. Been a long journey. There's been some awesome stuff that has happened on this journey. Some unbelievable surprises. They never would have guessed that they would be here with you all this morning or know you. They never would have guessed they would have been in Arizona. But life has been good. They've been able to, at that time, they had no idea, but they were able to take a picture just similar to that in front of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Been able to travel through Greece, and it's been good. But they also didn't know about some other things on the journey. Over those 13 years, they faced rising rents, where their rent was raised and there was nothing they could do about it and they had to find a new place to live and absolutely had no idea how to, how to fix that. And there's nothing they could do. You know, the landlord raised the rent and that's it. They faced layoffs. And saw, I worked within the construction industry. Saw that dry up a time or two. Prayed hard through times where we were being laid off. Julie actually got fired from a job, if you can believe that. I couldn't believe it. Fired. From a church. It was a church job. And uh, right before, was it before Christmas, right? Julie comes home in tears because she had been canned. <laughs> so that the, uh, the pastor could hire his evil daughter to take Julie's place. I kid you not, man. This was an interesting ministry family. But they fired her, and that was that. And so, luckily, we found a new job. You know, we still had bills to pay. And guess what? The new job paid less than the, than the old job, and it wasn't full-time. What are you going to do? So... Lower paying jobs, illnesses, gosh, 
trips to the emergency room, asthma, this, that, all kinds of just stuff through the journey. Car troubles. Nothing frustrates quite like car trouble. Oh, I had the most rotten piece of glory. Ford Escort when we got married. Whew. I would fix one thing and five more would go wrong with it. I would work for weeks. As I had a grandpa who was a mechanic and he felt like we should fix it all ourselves. So uh, there I am outside cutting the bottom of the inside of the car out so that I could get to some fuel pump in the gas tank. And I'm thinking, I'm going to blow myself up. You know, but, and I fixed it. And something else went wrong. Finally, I gave that car away. So one of those companies that they'll come and pick up your car, you know, and they'll sell it for charity or something. I was just like, somebody take this thing. I'm going to kill myself if I have to look at this one more day. So I got an old uh, 85 Chevy Silverado after that, which I managed to, uh, right as Julie and I were going on vacation, I made a left turn at a gas station and ran it right into one of those uh, concrete pillars. I mean, smashed the, the passenger side door all the way in. I've never praised God so loudly in my life. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, we relocated for a job, moved to Arizona, never thought we would do that. So moving away from family and uh, we've watched several of our loved ones die, um, been there for a few of them. Still face cutbacks, rising gas prices. I can't, those people have no idea. They're paying, they're complaining about gas was still under two bucks. Of course, they were complaining about it constantly. Does anybody remember with me gas? I remember getting gas for under a dollar. I'm not convinced there's an oil shortage in the world either. That's just me. Rising bills. Bills have all gone up. Food bills, every other kind of bill I can think of costs more. Rising tuition. It's amazing. The economy, the way it is, and... Tuition continues to rise. I mean, where's the logic in that? But nothing I can do about it. Upside down mortgages. Man, like two years ago, we were like a hundred and forty something thousand dollars. I don't know. It was, it was a lot. Well over a hundred thousand dollars upside down in our mortgage. It was bad. God helped us with that. Tell you about that in another day. But we've never went under financially. I'm not tooting our horn as Halleck said. We never went under. Uh, we never drowned in all of that stuff. And it hit us in the finances constantly. Well, and I, as I thought about it this week, why not? There's three guys that really helped me very early in our marriage. Very early. Three guys said some stuff to us that made a big difference. The first was my pastor, Johnny Bunch. He told us, before we got married, he said, please, don't run out. Don't run out and try 
to set up house exactly the way your parents have it right now. Don't go out and buy all new furniture. Don't go out and buy all new appliances. Don't go out and do that. He said, you're, you're going to be tempted because that's, that's what you do. You're a grown-up. You're an adult, so you move out. You've got to set up house. He said, but you need to stop and think that what your parents have, it's taken them 40-something years to get to where they are today. You don't have to be where they are overnight. That was awesome. I'm grateful in, in retrospect to look back and think somebody was compassionate enough to tell me that I don't have to I don't have to put on a show. And my friends will come over to my house, you know, whether I have all the nicest stuff or not, if they're my friends. Yep, camping chairs. <laughs> I'm grateful for that Johnny told me that. Second was my, my grandpa Norman. He did not have one credit card his entire life. He grew up in the Great Depression. That'll do something to you. Uh, his Great Depression stories were awesome. So I never had one credit card his entire life. And his motto was, if I can't afford it, if I can't pay cash for it, I don't need it. Oh, my gosh. I lived with him for years. And he just pounded that into me. I got sick of hearing it. I mean, did he not, Julie, constantly? He would find ways to bring it up where it totally didn't belong. We're not even talking about that, Grandpa. We're talking about this. But yeah, Steve, I pay cash for everything. And he did. I mean, he bought his, before he passed away, bought my grandma a brand new, or no, 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 it wasn't brand new. It was maybe a few months old, because that was the other thing he taught me, don't buy a brand new car, because as soon as you drive it off a lot, boo, depreciation, just like that. Let some, let some other sucker take the depreciation uh, and buy it from them a year or two into it. That was his, that was his wisdom. But before he died, he went and paid cash for my grandma to have like a brand new, for all intents and purposes, PT Cruiser. Paid cash. He got a motorhome, paid cash. His house, paid off. Everything was paid off. His hobby was yard sailing. I mean, he was a haggler, but he would tell me all the time, if you can't afford to pay cash for it, Steve, you don't need it. Don't go in debt. Don't bury yourself for stuff that is continually losing its value. Like a brand new couch. Brand new couch is wonderful. And I, I have, I had a brand new couch. Now I have a dog. There it is. Anyways, he told us that over and over early on. Pay cash for stuff, Steve. Don't, don't, don't let... Don't bury yourself in consumer debt for stuff that loses value continuously. Pay cash. And when you have cash, you can negotiate. I watched him do it over and over and over. And then was the, the last guy was Bill Ellis. He was the owner of Corona Aluminum Company where I worked at the time. And uh, one day I just happened to be going through the shop and, and we stopped and talked. It was just as Julie and I were getting married. He told me two things. One... Be ready to change. That was good advice. He said, Steve, don't go into this marriage thinking you're going to not change. You're going to change. So just be, just roll with it. That was good advice. The second thing he told me, um, 
and he made a lot of money, and he did really well, and he owned that company. He's a great guy, but I think he knows a lot about money. Just by he was just a, an incredibly successful businessman, and nice guy. He was the first person in my life. I was twenty-something years old. He looked at me and said, "Steve, this is how I've done it my whole life. This is how my dad taught me, and and it works." And it was so simple. He said, "Steve, I use the eighty-ten-ten rule. The eighty-ten-ten rule." He said, "When I budget, he said, for me, the first ten percent I give to God." Other people give it to charity, but the interesting thing is, typically speaking, um, uh, lots of people with money give lots of money away. It's fascinating. Not all of them. Some of them are misers. But he said, "I give away ten percent." Said the second thing is, I take ten percent and I save it. And he had some ways of saving it and investing it and diversifying it. Um, but he said, 10% I give, 10% I save, and I live on 80%. When I'm doing my budget, I look at what is 80% of that, and that's what my bills have to fall. Everything has to fall within 80%. I live on 80%. He said, he told me, I've done that my whole life, Steve. So then Julie and I are getting married, and we, we made our first little budget form. Julie's really good at that stuff, by the way. And so that's what we did, right? 80 10 10 80 10 10 and um, we got married we had $1000 in the bank that was our emergency fund if you listen to Dave Ramsey he'll say if you want to prepare and have adequate lifeboats for the financial dangers of life he'll he'll say one you need to get an emergency fund of $1000 immediately right now I mean, he'll tell you, you've got to do whatever it takes to get it, too. I mean, sell your grandma if you have to. He said, sell everything. If you're a parent, he said, sell everything. Make the kids think they're next. But get yourself $1,000 immediately. And what that will do is enable you to not have to run to the credit card every time there's a quote-unquote emergency. Think about all the stuff that I was telling you Julie and I have been through. Should any of those things surprise us? I mean, they do, like car trouble. Oh, but cars break down, don't they? It's always a surprise when I have to get new tires. Nick, I'm not looking at you, so don't think I am. I'm not looking at you. It's always a surprise, right? Oh, but isn't it kind of dumb, though, that I get surprised? Oh, it's crazy. Those tires are made out of rubber and they roll on hot streets. Especially in Arizona. How dare they go out? But is it really a surprise? Cars break down. That's what they do. It's how they keep people in business. Cars break down. It's crazy to think that, that sometimes some of us are surprised when the monthly bills come in. Oh! Really? SRP? We dealt with this 30 days ago. And there you are again. What? Come on. Come on. I mean, economies take slumps. Layoffs happen. Cutbacks happen. Gas prices rise. Bills raise. 
Tuition goes up. The mortgage market fluctuates. It goes up and down. Cars have trouble. We get sick. We all will die of something if the Lord doesn't come back before that happens. You know, God willing, we will all retire someday. It's crazy the amount of baby boomers that have nothing for retirement. It's crazy. As if retirement was like a shock. Oh, I got old. How dare I get old? Oh, I have to retire. As if you didn't know that was coming. It's coming for us all. We get older, we get sick, stuff happens, cars break, bills happen. That's life, man, isn't it? Should those things surprise us? Do they? Often, yes. Should they? No. They shouldn't surprise us any more than the summer ant is surprised by the winter. Winter comes. Summer comes. Ants don't do that here. They just leave. (laughs) I'm grateful for those three men in my life and the wisdom that they shared. I think it was because um, that we chose to act on what they taught us that we were able to stay financially afloat um, even through some pretty dangerous, rough encounters that we've had so far. And we're not done yet. But uh, gratefully, I'm thankful, and I say this with humility, we haven't drowned yet. We haven't drowned financially and God has, it's been amazing. We've been, from time to time, we've able, actually even been able to be a blessing to others and be there for them in times that they need it. And I say that with humility, God has been so good. But I think part of, really, the wisdom that these guys passed on to us taught us that the financial world is, there's dangers out here. This is a dangerous journey. Yeah, enjoy it. Don't freak out over, you know, life. But be wise. Be wise. A wise person prepares for the bad times and the good times. 1,500 people didn't need to die simply because the White Star Line didn't provide the Titanic with adequate lifeboats. You don't need to financially drown. Um, Some stuff happens that's far beyond your control. But you you can do something to prepare yourself so that you don't drown. Because this, if you're facing, if you're in a crisis now, we, we pray about that. But it's a guaranteed fact, I'm pretty sure, that over the next several years, you're going to face another financial crisis. Before it's all said and done, either you're going to face a financial crisis or you're going to leave a financial crisis behind for those who come after you. That was my dad's theory. He was awesome. When I went through his bills, it was amazing who he decided not to pay. The IRS. He's like, yeah, whatever. What are you going to do? No kidding. <laughs> Julie and I shredded tons of documents of his. Yeah, his was things, I'm just going to pass it on. Pass it on. Those come after me. I love Dave Ramsey said this. He said, if you die, dying without a will is rude. 
It was rude. My dad was rude. But stuff's going to happen. It will happen. And so the wise person prepares and is preparing and is actively doing something to ensure that you have financial lifeboats in place. I would say there's a couple things you could do. One is limit your credit use. Limit it. Some stuff, you know, Dave Ramsey's completely against credit. I'm not totally with him on everything he says. Um, but I will say some stuff is just stupid to put on a credit card. Some stuff is just dumb. I mean, why? <laughs> One time, Julie, she was going through our credit card statement, and she said, Steve, really? 78 cents? 78 cents on the American Express? I accidentally bought a candy bar. <laughs> yeah, it was accidentally. I got hungry. It was such a surprise. How dare I? I would say limit credit use. Limit credit use in every way you can. There's a lot of predatory lenders out there. A lot. Be wise. Buyer beware. Beware. Don't believe advertising generally. Be wise. Uh, second thing is, I would encourage you, set up an emergency fund if you don't have one. I'm talking a fund that just sits there. Where when... When the surprises happen and you need new tires, boom, there it is. And I don't got to put it on the credit card. Set up an emergency fund. Get that, get that rolling. Do whatever you can to do it. Um, ultimately, an emergency fund should actually, uh, if, if you go by Dave Ramsey, you sh emergency fund should have three to four to six months, he says, of expenses saved. So if, 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 if you faced a catastrophe financially, you'd be able to stay afloat. For four to six months. That's a pretty good idea. Right now, for m most of us, that's like, that's totally impossible. I get the feeling. Right? But, but protect yourself. Um, and try. Try the 80-10-10 rule. See what you can do. I mean, this is simple stuff. S simple, but hard to do. Um. I'm not going to show that video, Chris, because I'm way over my time. Um, we're, this Wednesday night, we're having this first workshop. We're taking key, key, two or two or three key lessons from Financial Peace University, and we're making them available free. I want to encourage you, be here. Refresh, your, refresh yourself. This, this week, it's going to cover how to tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Bring somebody. People are drowning out there financially. They are drowning. Normal is broke. That's where, so bring people. This is free. We're not going to sell anything. We just want to get information out there to help people so that they, they don't have to live an entire lifetime being enslaved to creditors. Okay? Um, and the next one we'll have the next Wednesday is about dealing with debt, paying off uh, 
how to deal with creditors, pay off debt.